Welcome to the Yellow Jackets Hive presented by CordCutting.com. I'm Media Melanie here with. And I'm Emily. And we are back with our season one Yellow Jackets recap. We will be covering episode seven today, No Compass, and also episode eight, Flight of the Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of fun rewatching these episodes, isn't it, Emily? Yeah, it really has. Watching it after watching season two just brings a whole new perspective to the show. It sure does. And with that said, there will be spoilers in this episode. So if for some reason you are not current with the show, you may not want to listen yet. So <laughs> just, just a little spoilery warning there. Before it's so we get hard to- not to relate everything now. Oh, I know. It's impossible. We have so much more context and clues and indications into the characters' personalities and whatnot. So we have to use the information we have to give it a little bit more depth. So here we are, diving deep. I can imagine it will be even more so after we get another season, too. Oh, my gosh. And with that said, the writer's room was supposed to have returned yesterday. We didn't see anything on the socials, but it was reported that they'd be back on Wednesday. So... That's exciting. Let's hope for some fresh content. Let's hope SAG After is able to resolve things as well. And yeah. until then, of course, we continue to stand in solidarity. They had negotiations yesterday, right? Or were they still negotiating today? They had them yesterday. And then I believe they said they were returning either Friday or Monday. I forget what the okay. post said, but they're going back to the table. So until then, strikes are still on and whatnot. There's actually one happening in San Diego next week. I'm super bummed. I have a dentist appointment at the same exact time, mm. and it's like a six-month waiting list for cleaning, so I, I can't go, but I will be there in spirit, so it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Before we get started, let's talk a little bit about what we're watching. It's a new thing we're doing before each episode because we have a feeling mm-hmm. that, like us, you guys probably need some more show recommendations to fill the void yeah. with the strike and in between seasons of Yellow Jacket. So, Emily, what are you watching? Currently, the one show that I've been watching I've only watched two episodes so far, but it's been what I'm watching regularly is Blackbird on Apple TV. I talked about it a little bit yesterday when we did our Instagram live. Um, The premise is there's a kid that gets arrested for a drug charge. And when he is in prison, he's approached by the FBI and they ask him to extract confession from a an inmate that was arrested and suspected of murdering multiple women and if he gets a confession out of this man they will let him go free so it's been pretty good so far um i'm also watching the morning show i've only watched the first episode though just finished only murders watching american horror story i have to watch the new episode tonight because last night i watched my phillies win which Congrats. was exciting. <laughs> that grand slam. I watched the replay of it. I mean, I'm so jealous your team so is epic. in the postseason. So yeah. jealous. It was Good so epic. Yeah, that's what I watched last night. I watched the Phillies play last night. And I'm also watching Found, which I know you are watching too. Uh, I watched it with a recommendation from you, and it's good. I like it. I like it too. Of course, that's on NBC. I did the Watch This Wednesday post in the Yellow Jackets High Reddit sub yesterday. Although I will say I'm pretty disappointed. I saw the Rotten Tomatoes ratings and also kind of poked around some press reviews and not being super well received, which I am bummed to hear. It makes me question my taste. It seems like a standard procedural drama to me. I don't know why it wouldn't be more liked because it's not there there hasn't been a show like this where they focused on like solely kidnappings each episode like criminal minds it was different every episode not a kidnapping it was murder you know what i mean right a whole without a trace was similar like it that's an older one yeah 
similar, but not quite the same. Like I said, it was a mix of like without a trace and scandal because it's a crisis management team similar to the team on scandal. But yeah, I'm hoping I, I don't read press reviews before I do my watch this Wednesday because I want to have a fresh take. And yeah. so I went all in on it. And uh, apparently it's not the popular sentiment, but we will see. We'll see how it progresses. Um, yeah. So I'm watching Found, as you just noted, uh, Survivor and the Challenge. Note, we're still looking for a former Survivor contestant for our upcoming episode. We have a little bit of traction, so we're hoping something comes up. This person should also be a fan of Yellow Jackets or have at least watched some. So if you know anybody, please let us know. Yeah. Um, I'm also watching The Morning Show, current with season three, enjoying that. American Horror Story, I fell asleep last night, rewatched the rest of it today. It wasn't because it was bad. Um, I just was really yeah. tired. But um, I don't know. It's not that exciting. I was hoping for a little bit more like oomph, which I don't know. What are I'm your saying. sentiments on Kim K so far? I mean, she's not terrible. I think because she's playing somebody that is similar to her in real life yeah. works. I do find her a little bit stiff in some of her things but in general i find her to be kind of a fake person so i guess that's a little like on brand for her so yeah what i've seen i feel like really resembles her in real life so it's not a stretch yeah so i guess it was a smart casting you know what are you gonna do i did finish the crowded room for your recommendation i thought that was a really cool visual representation of the psyche enjoyed that And uh, I want to start The Irrational. That's another new one on NBC. It's a scripted uh, drama. I um, I saw the trailer a while ago, but I've had a couple friends say it's good. So I'm going to check it out. It's supposed to be better than found. So I've never heard of that one. It's brand new. I think it's only on its second episode. So check it out. Check it out. You'll have to let me know what you think. I definitely will. Uh, hey, we've got Kennedy here. Hey, Kennedy, Hi, Kennedy. Thank you for buzzing in. Nice to see you there. And before we get started with our recaps, Emily, are you ready to get Would You Rathered? Yes, even though I this one is going to be so hard for me. <laughs> and I made it. <laughs> okay. For anybody watching, drop your answer in the comments. Okay. Would you rather fight off a wolf with an axe or attempt to fly an old broken down plane? I've thought about this for a little while before we started recording, and I honestly think I would have to go with flying a plane because wow. the the like what happened to Laura Lee was so quick that she probably didn't feel a whole lot of pain. And if you're going head to head with a wolf with an axe, there's a good chance that you're gonna get hurt. And I would rather just face my chances in the sky, I think. It would be quicker if I died. That's really my main reasoning behind it. Because so. either way, like you said, you're either going to get hurt or die. So yeah, the quicker out might be the better out. I was going to say wolf, but I don't That's, know. I, like, I'm not confident right with an axe. Oh, wow. Okay. So Team Wolf. Yeah. But I mean, also <laughs> after seeing Van and, you know, seeing her stumbling off after the wolf attack in her face like that's pretty jarring so yeah that was gnarly i still remember watching that for the first time when they roll her over and her face just like flops to the side it's (laughs) mm, yeah so gross tough to watch the special effects were really good they were. And we've read different articles and interviews where they said that the wolves actually mm-hmm. ruined the take because, like, their tails were wagging, which is really cute. You think of wolves as these bad macho canines, but, yeah, yeah they had wagging tails, which made it difficult to film. So that's kind of funny. I read that, too. That was funny. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith is here too. He said Laura Lee's brave and tragic death is still one of my favorite scenes of the show. And he said he would go with plane too. So far we're tied. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I have someone on my side. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You, Leonard and Keith. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Emily, give us the episode summary. As well, this was the synopsis from Showtime. As starvation looms, Thaisa leads a last-ditch effort amid felony schemes and all-night stakeouts. The Yellow Jackets are perform are forced to partake in small talk. Now, the episode summary: the beginning adult is when adult Thaisa comes to and realizes she's in the tree outside Sammy's room. It and you also notice that it looks like she's been bit on her hand by something, yes. and that's something that. I've always debated whether I thought it was self-inflicted or was it Biscuit. I've settled on Biscuit at this point just because of the fact that we don't see Biscuit in the show after this scene. There's no more Biscuit. Biscuit's gone. And I just feel like it makes sense. I, I don't see her biting herself. I just don't. I agree. And I too have wavered back and forth on that. I also have landed on Biscuit, especially because in this episode, Thaisa tells Shauna all the things that are going on with her yep. sleepwalking. And she specifically mentions Biscuit is missing. So I think that for me solidifies it was Biscuit, but it's possible she could have been herself. In I the think she tells her that in episode eight, actually. Okay, you know what? You're right. And I'm just going to apologize ahead of time. Sometimes when we do these two episodes at once and I watch them the same day, they do meld together a little bit. So together. apologies ahead of time. We may go waver a little between episode seven and episode eight. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Okay. So, yeah, adult Ty comes to in the tree. And then mm -hmm. meanwhile, things are happening in the teen timeline. Thaisa, Van, Misty, Akila, and Mari agree to go on an expedition to find a way out of the wilderness. But before they go, there's a debate between the teens as to what's going to happen. And Thaisa says a very interesting line that after seeing the season in full, I feel like was very foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. uh, she says, we're talking dying feels like falling asleep cold. And come on, that had to be referring to Jackie's death. 1,000%. Yeah. There's no way that wasn't a reference to that. Um, the group debates, as I said, the girls going on an expedition and determines that they can take certain supplies with them, but they need to leave others behind. AKA Nat says they can't take the gun. And that's when Thaisa suggests that they have one of the axes. They take one of the axes. Before they go, there's also a really sweet moment between Van and Ty where van tells Thaisa that she wants to come with her so that they can make it out and they can go to new york city together because she's only been in new york city once and she didn't get to do what she wanted to do and she wants to take Thaisa to new york to get a soft pretzel and to have a carriage ride in central park that is my ultimate happy ending for the show in yeah. the finale of yellow jackets i want to see van and ty in central park taking their carriage ride, eating a soft pretzel. There's nothing more than that that I want to see eventually. Nothing. I know. That moment was also really interesting, too, because that was when Thaisa cut off all her hair. And I felt like that was very symbolic of her going out and finding help. And she was trying to make it as easy on herself as she could. And she realized that the less hair she has to take care of, the less she has to worry about. Because she was very 
into taking care of her hair. They show her wrapping it. They show her tending to it. Her hair was beautiful. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, and I I found that really interesting when she cut off all of her hair. Uh, tra- it was also interesting that Travis debated going with the girls, but mm-hmm. at the last minute, Natalie persuaded him to stay behind, which I feel may not have been the fandom's favorite scene in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> because a lot of people did not like Natalie and Travis together. There's no. a lot of hate for their relationship in the fandom. I have different feelings about it, I think, than a lot of other people do. But that's for another You time. wrote a really good article for Cord Cutting on that, too, on Travis and whatnot. So if you have not read that yet, check it out at yellowjacketshive.com, which will take you right to our Cord Cutting page. Yes. One more thing before we talk about them actually going on the expedition. I loved seeing the co-ed naked shirt get a bunch of play in this episode. Of course, mm-hmm. we also had the chance to interview Mark Lane, the owner of Coed Naked, and we've got our yeah. Coed Naked podcasting shirt and all that stuff. Um, so I always appreciate seeing the co-ed naked shirt in this episode. Had a good amount of it. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that I have a co-ed naked soccer shirt now. <laughs> Same. I know. We have a good array. They were so nice. They mailed us soccer, cornhole. We have our podcasting one. And you got another one too, right? I didn't get cornhole. You got cornhole. I got, um, I think it was co-ed brewing. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nice of those guys. Love yeah, co-ed naked. That was really nice of them. Yes. So as they were departing, Lottie gives Van a talisman, a.k.a. the unburnt deer bone, that we see Lottie pull from the deer carcass that they burned uh, from – it was the deer that they found that had maggots inside of it. They burned Why it. didn't the bone burn? I, is this a common thing? I don't know. I mean, gosh, I didn't even know about antler shedding last week or last time we talked. So <laughs> is this a thing? I mean, do, do all bones usually burn? Why did this one not I burn? No, I feel like it's harder for bones to burn than it is for other things to burn. I think it needs to be a very high temperature for bone to burn. But it, so maybe it just wasn't hot enough. I don't know. That could be but, where the rest of the bones burned. And I, I don't know. They That's- look like they were charred. Okay. But that one was just bright white and totally. Yeah. Totally it completely clean. untouched. It looked completely untouched. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Which was weird. Very weird. Agree. Agree. The group, uh, while they're walking, finds a red, a red colored river, which I forgot to mention that before they left for the expedition, Lottie also told Van that she had a dream the night before that they would encounter a river of blood and red smoke. So when they come across this red river, it makes her very skeptical and they get into a debate as to whether they should turn back or not. Um, And I thought they were actually going to turn back for a second, but Ty kept going and I think they had a lot of faith in her to keep them safe. So they felt comfortable following her onward. They did. And and Ty made some comment like, oh, I had a dream about XYZ irrelevant mm-hmm. thing last night. It was just a dream. And she says there's an explanation for everything, which, of course, yep. 
goes more to the practical, not the supernatural side. But I also want to say that her speech reminded me of Mikey's speech at the bottom of the well in Goonies when he's like, Goonies never say die. And he, <laughs> you know, he's like, hey, Goonies, we need to continue on our journey. We need to do this. And Ty reminded me of that moment in Goonies, which is one of my fi- favorite childhood movies. So I just wanted to mention I that. I haven't watched that in so long. I love that movie, though. It stands up. My kids like it, too, even though it looks a little oh, dated. Really do. It's, it's a pretty good. It, it stands up. It stands the test of time such a good yeah, cast too it is anyway side note <laughs> um yes as we just said uh the speech that ty gave was very reminiscent of the goonies and then later <laughs> they are attacked by a pack of wolves um after ty wakes up in a tree she defends the group or tries to defend the group using a flare gun and an axe but as we all know van is severely wounded and Meanwhile, this is all happening simultaneously. Shauna tells Jackie that she's pregnant, but she lies to Jackie about who the father is. Um, And I always wondered if, do you think Jackie knew she was lying from the very beginning? Do you think? Maybe not from the very start, but once Shauna started making more details with her lie, saying that it happened on a certain night, and then Jackie's like, wait a minute, Wasn't that the night that Randy got sick and I had to drive him home? So I think from the beginning, she might have bought it. But the more her logic started questioning things, I think she, you know, and she actually used the word spill. Shauna, spill. Tell me all about Mm -hmm. it. We actually heard spill twice in this episode. We hear it in the adult timeline as well. But yeah, I think she gradually figured it out and then wanted to confirm her thoughts by reading Shauna's diary. Yeah. Then we see Natalie attempt to be intimate with Travis, but something happens and he's not able to perform. Um, I think he was honestly just really nervous. And I wish that he didn't act the way that he acted after that happened because he pushed her away. And it's not like she did anything wrong. She was understanding. She even said it's okay. She wasn't making him feel she wasn't giving him any reason to feel embarrassed by what happened by any means. Right. Hey, I want to just go over really quick. Kennedy's question. What is the wolf pulling on? It's not Van's face. Let me pull up that picture again. So I wonder if her arm, it it does look like a piece of cloth or something, right? Yeah. It could be her sleeve. Or is this a press photo and they use CGI or something later? I'm not sure. Or is this an actual screen grab of the scene that we watched in the show? I think it's an actual screen grab of the scene that we watched in the show because I oh. took it from Showtime's website. What the fuck is that, though? You're right, Kennedy. Like, it it, I mean, it could be like she's wearing a sweatshirt underneath the flannel and that maybe it's pulling the sweatshirt sleeve off of her arm okay that would be my guess that could be because it doesn't look like her face (laughs) it it definitely does not look like her face so thank you kennedy for having us take a closer look at that (laughs) uh javi is found going through shauna's backpack looking for the knife for an art project and it's later revealed he carved a wooden wolf figurine and i always wondered what made him carve a wolf in the first place it was it just supposed to be foreshadowing of the fact that Van was about to be attacked by a wolf because they show it literally right before they show the scene where she's attacked. They do. I also think that because we saw a similar wolf figurine in Adam's apartment that 
maybe they did it to try to move that storyline forward, which we yeah. know they did not go that direction that Javi was Adam to kind of create this similarity or, or yeah. something to connect That's them. Of course, we know they abandoned that idea and Adam is not Javi. So mm -hmm. it's it's hard to say. But you're right. If it if it is foreshadowing, is Javi having early premonitions from, you know, like the lady in the woods out there, whoever his friend was? That's a good yeah. question. Yeah, that's true. What if the what if his friend was never real? Oh, what if it was an imaginary friend and he just kind of made it up as a coping mechanism? I think it was real, but I think it was Ty still personally, yeah. but we may never know since of course we lost Luciano. By the way, Luciano is one of the sweetest interviews I think we've had this entire yeah. past season. I love talking he to him. So he fun. was the sweetest. Loved he him. really was. Um, he was great. So, so I'm yeah. still so sad by that. <laughs> oh my God. I like his hand slipping below the ice is just such a sad moment. And you know what? Speaking of that, we actually have a design by our very talented designer, Erin. It says, wish you were here. And it depicts mm -hmm. the wilderness and some nice coloring and Javi slipping through the ice. Yellowjacketshiveshop.com for all of our merch. And while the strike is continuing, we will be making a donation to support uh, the SAG-AFTRA. Not the SAG-AFTRA fund. It's the Entertainers Fund. But that's what they're asking for donations for. So anyway, yellowjacketshiveshop.com. Then at night, Jackie reads Shauna's diary. Um, do you think she just read it because she was hoping that Shauna wrote down some details about her being pregnant and maybe she wrote details as to how she got pregnant? She was just guessing that there might be something in there. I think she had the premonition once she started questioning Shauna's story. And so she probably wanted to confirm and, and, she brought up the lie about Shauna's when Shauna lied about her dad working as the president of yeah. Hello Kitty. So I think she was establishing that Shauna's a liar and she probably doubted her, but I don't know if she expected what she found. I don't know if she was expecting that. Yeah. And Jackie also didn't sleep upstairs with Shauna. So she had to go up there and search for that journal because Shauna hid that. That was not in plain view. Granted, she didn't do a, super great job at hiding it but Bobby found it too right yeah yeah he did <laughs> so but yeah so then in 2021 natalie shauna and taisa agree agree to pay fifty thousand dollars to the blackmailer uh when the group first gets together there's some tension between natalie and shauna which i thought was pretty noticeable uh ty quickly breaks it up and they move on to business they put cash inside a bag shauna brought from jeff's special keeps <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed this whole interaction. I love that the bag was too empty. I love that she thought $50,000 would look like more. And I love the line about buying the secret tracker on Amazon because secretly tracking is apparently very in right now. Everything yes. Melanie Linsky said in that scene was just pure gold. Loved it. And Natalie also said to Shauna, you're not as sentimental as your hubby when she brought up the fact that she brought this bag from Jeff's special keeps. So... I always kind of wondered what she meant by that comment. Was that supposed to mean something? Or was she just being sarcastic in herself? <laughs> That's interesting because it's the same episode or maybe it was the next one where Jeff gives her the dress for the reunion, which is nice and sentimental. And I feel like Jeff really tries. So I wonder if she was saying it in an authentic way. But at the same time, her and Jeff didn't really have too no. much 
contact or weren't really in the same friend group in high school. So no, exactly. That is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, while waiting for Natalie to drop the money, Sean and Ty have a conversation about Natalie and their lives. And Ty says to Sean at one point, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. So I do what I can, not just for her, for me. And I thought before that that meant that maybe because Shauna makes a comment a little bit later in this episode about having a flamethrower. I thought that maybe they were implying that Natalie might do something like burn down the cabin that led to their eventual rescue. But that's obviously not true. Off the table. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Very much off the table now. So it makes me wonder if she was implying about her being the antler queen or did she do something that actually leads to their eventual rescue that we will see later on? Because they very much credit her with their survival. At least that's the way it seems. They do. I mean, in your notes, you know, you mentioned her tying the markers around the trees. And then, of course, we know that she's also instrumental in forming this map, which may or may not have burned down as her and Travis are heading out in these different directions. So those two things are pretty solid, along with her being the hunter. So yeah, I would have to agree. Those markers on the trees had me thinking that, and I've seen it also speculated on Facebook and Reddit too, that maybe somebody finds one of those markers and it leads them to them somehow. Oh, that could definitely be. Because there's not just going to be a piece of fabric on a random tree for no reason. Somebody's going to wonder why that's there. And maybe they go looking. I don't know. What did they use to spray the SOS on the airplane before they left it? Did they have spray paint I or something? I think they used lipstick, actually. Lipstick? They must have mm-hmm. had a fair amount of lipstick. I mean, it was a giant SOS, wasn't it? it I can picture like, it in my mind. It looked like Shauna was holding lipstick to me when she was writing it. Okay. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah, I just I can't remember. But it's too bad they didn't have something that would, you know. Like, no spray paint out in the wilderness to spray the trees. But you're right. The markers could definitely be a thing. Yeah. So then when Nat rejoins them, she tells them that she's been having sex with Kevin Tan. And they are very (laughs) happy for her, which, well, Thaisa says she's happy for her. And Shauna kind of acts like, oh, maybe that could be kind of complicated. And Natalie kind of reacts like, no, it's not. Like, we like each other. Why would it be complicated? So there's definitely tension between Natalie and Shauna. And is it because maybe Natalie is the antler queen for their entire time out there and Shauna was bitter about the fact that it wasn't her? She's still bitter. Apparently that could definitely be a a part of that. And yeah, then too, when Natalie tells Shauna and Ty that they're equally as fucked up as she is, they just hide it better. Mm-hmm. That really hit me hard too, because it's so true. Yeah. I mean, really. they do have families and Thais has got a successful career. Natalie just, she doesn't have that stuff and doesn't have anything to hide behind. Whereas the other two do. And she's yeah. right. They're all very fucked up. Yeah, they for sure are. <laughs> After spotting the blackmailer, the group chases them. The blackmailer falls into a box of glitter during the pursuit before getting away. And I see in here you marked um, that you thought Firestarter was an awesome song choice for this scene. Oh, I loved it. I thought that music moment worked really well. One of the many awesome music moments. So, yeah, something about it just really set the tone. I loved it. 
Yeah, it was good. Natalie shot at the blackmailer as he drove away, and Ty said they just need to look for an asshole covered in glitter. And after this moment is when they're in the car again, and this is when Shauna makes the comment, are you going to grab a flamethrower and just go up and down Route 9 knocking on doors? And like I said, I used to believe this was hinting at Natalie possibly burning down the cabin, but could it have been a reference to Coach Ben somehow? Why a flamethrower of all the things? Yeah. Why are you going to bring a flamethrower anywhere? I mean, why? Not a gun, That's not a anything else. Thing to, yeah. Super such random. A random thing. Yeah. They didn't have a flamethrower out in the wilderness. So I don't know. I don't no. get the reference. Maybe someone out there who is smarter than us will be able to <laughs> chime in on that. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, it was really, like you said, emotional when Natalie tells Ty and Shauna that they were both just as fucked up as she is. Um, yep. Misty questions Jessica, believing her to be the blackmailer. And I love this scene so much when she questions her because Misty is really convinced that Jessica Roberts is the blackmailer. Like, she thinks she figured it out. And it's very clear that Jessica Roberts has no idea what she's talking about. No clue. No, none. When she brings up the symbol and stuff like that, she has no idea. And Misty is absolutely convinced. Like, to the point where later she actually puts fentanyl in chocolates and says she's going to send it to Jessica Roberts' dad. <laughs> Misty crazy. is just next level. Next crazy. Absolutely level. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that made Jessica... Um, that made Jessica start talking to Misty and telling her about how she went to Travis's house, but Travis wouldn't talk to her. She then tells Misty that Travis's bank account was closed right after he died, meaning that someone else had closed out the account. And she also says, and by the way, Travis was murdered. You might not be sure about that, but I am. So what made her so sure that he was murdered? Did she know something that we don't know? That is such a good question, Emily. And of course, you wrote this article called Lottie the Liar for Cord mm -hmm. Cutting, which kind of covers them as unreliable narrators. Because of course, we know in season two, we yeah. got Lottie's side of what happened at Travis's death. We know she was there, but we don't believe a word she said. That said, Absolutely we don't necessarily not. believe she murdered him either. And for Jessica Roberts to be so confident he was murdered, it's confusing to me because there's really no... We, we don't know. It also makes me wonder, did Jessica Roberts really not know about Lottie? Did she not know that Lottie was not, that Lottie was back in America? It, was she unaware of that? Because Thaisa asked her to track down all the survivors. So why wouldn't she have had that information about Lottie? If Lottie was question. here. Because Lottie, the way, the contest clues that we have make it sound that Lottie's been out of this institution for at least 10 years at this point. And we know that it took time for her to establish this community. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't build a following like that overnight. It takes time. And Jace... Jace Vant, sorry, and Jace Servant. Uh, somebody is commenting. Lottie is a thief too, and of course we know this because of her TJ Maxx uh, Bucks run, where she would steal clothing. But also, why would she empty the money out of Travis's bank account if yeah. she has this well-established wellness community? Clearly, she's doing well. She got all the money to start it, etc. So that is a really good question or comment. She is a thief, and why what is she taking Travis's money? What does she have to gain here? 
what does she need his pennies for? Because they made it sound as if he really didn't have a lot. So what did she really gain from that? It seemed You're like right. He, he was living like well a freaking hermit. I mean, in a yeah. shack with literal boarded up windows. I mean, yeah. what kind of money could he have had? To Misty's point, or Nat's point, the giant bottle of alcohol that was there, they didn't realize it was from Jessica Roberts, but they're like, this is an awfully nice bottle for somebody who's living off the grid like this. So, yeah. ugh, very strange. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Uh, the whole Travis home. death thing kills me. I, yeah. just, I just want answers. Yeah. And if they never give them to us, that's something that I will be upset about. <laughs> I'll be right there with you. They gave us some... So I feel as if they want us to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we get rewarded. Yes. Uh, back home, Shauna has sex with Adam, who showed up at her house in the middle of the night, which I also thought was super skeptical. How did he find out where she lived? If they've only been seeing each other for a couple of weeks, what reason did he have to ever go to her house? I don't think she ever – she never invited him there. It's pretty ballsy, too, given that at that time, it's likely her husband would have been at home. We know he was not at home because he was out blackmailing. But the timing of that is just so suspicious. Yes, and it, it when I first watched it and got the clues that Jeff was the blackmailer, I'm like, were him and Adam working together? I mean, why did he come of all nights that night? In the middle of the night when otherwise normally Jeff would be home, well, unless he was working on the inventory database. But yeah. I mean, the whole Adam thing, you know, yeah. everyone thinks it's tied up in this neat little bow. I'm not convinced. And I think it's still going to come back. I am not convinced that Adam is just done and, you know, there's more to it. Yeah. In the morning, they are almost caught by Jeff, um, which is when... Adam goes into the closet and that we see in a subsequent episode that Shauna discovers glitter in the closet and she thinks that it's from Adam, but we're not there quite yet. And Kevin learns that Natalie used his gun, but she does not tell him about the blackmailer. She makes up this half-assed story about how she went to a park and she was playing around with it and she shot it with, she shot off her, she shot it off in the dirt or something like that. And he asked her, which park were you at? What bench were you sitting at? And she obviously didn't have any answers because she was lying. And he said, do you not realize that I have to account for every single bullet that I shoot out of this gun? Which I was unaware that police have to do that. If that's a real like thing that they have to do. Makes sense. It does it make sense. sense. It does make sense. I feel like I may have seen something like that in one of the crime shows before, but I'm not positive. I don't know. But I, I don't like how Nat uses Kevin Tan so much either. You know, he's such a nice guy. They had such a connection yeah. in high school and he's being so nice to her. And all she does is essentially just keep slapping him right in the face one yeah. after the other. Because right after that, she gets really mean and she's like, what did you think this was? Like, did you think we were doing anything more than just fucking like? She was very, very cruel. And he said, okay, like, fuck you, then. And then he left. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I, I mean, I would have said the same thing. If same I exact thing. And I think Natalie's in mourning, right? She's traumatized. If it was any other time, I think that she would have let Kevin in. And I think she does have a very hard exterior up and has not gotten close to a lot of people. Look what happened to her and Travis. So, yeah. 
it makes she's sense. She's super guarded. She's very guarded. Yeah. Timing just was off. And now it will never happen for Nat and Kevin Tan because they are both dead. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yes. Mm. Whew. Well, that was a, a pretty action-packed episode. What was your favorite scene in this one, Emily? I really like the scene when Van reenacts while you were sleeping for the girls in around the fire. They're all very invested, and she's obviously a very good storyteller. One hundred percent. I enjoyed that fire scene quite a bit. And I think, as I mentioned, the blackmail scene where Shauna was talking about the secret tracker and not knowing how big fifty thousand dollars was, et cetera. I think that was my favorite. Um, and then Misty moments, we each had a slightly different one. Um, I loved, and I think I have a picture of it here. Hold on. Loved the goodbye scene between Coach and Misty. Coach is just playing to her. Oh, I'm going to miss you. And just Misty, I just can't with her and Coach. I really just can't. That just, it got me. It was really funny. Poor Misty. Poor Misty. Like, she's so... Pathetic. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, yeah. She is. So. she is. She is. It's so sad, yeah. though. I mean, she just doesn't have a lot of friends. She's been bullied for so long. I can't wait to learn more about Misty and her family to see if there's something with the environment that has made her this way. Or maybe it's yeah. gen- genetics. I don't know. I would love to see more on Mr. and Mrs. Quigley at some point. But your favorite Misty moment, what was it? When Misty is trying to get Jessica Roberts to talk, I think she says something along the lines of, do you have anything to say? And Jessica Roberts says, yes, your haircut (laughs) is unflattering. And I just thought that was so funny because she had something to say, but it clearly wasn't what Misty wanted her to say. And I love that. And Misty's haircut is a little bit unflattering in a way. So she's not wrong. I mean, you know, it it works for her. It works with the whole glasses look. It reminded me of the time at the restaurant. The woman said to her, nobody likes my granddaughter either. I mean, she just keeps getting these little insults thrown her way. And and poor Misty. Yeah, she does. She does. I mean, obviously, I love her. She's my favorite. You know that. Oh, same. I mean, we (laughs) both love her. We are team MFQ for life. And before we move on to Flight of the Bumblebee, Let's just touch upon some of the music. We had Space from Amber Mark. My favorite track of the episode, Firestarter by The Prodigy during that blackmail chase scene. And then Music of the Night, Andrew Lloyd Webber from Phantom of the Opera. That was actually pretty good, too. But they were it was. Good, good music moments. I liked I them. very much enjoy Misty listening to theater music. It's perfect. It really is. Could <laughs> not be a better fit for Misty. Okay. Flight of the Bumblebee. Emily, read Showtime synopsis. While in triage, after a vicious attack, the Yellow Jackets are left to figure out the best of their worst ideas. Shauna dabbles in some light cyber-stalking. Mm-hmm. I love their descriptions. They're really clever. Season 2 got even more into it. I really liked what they did in Season 2. Really yeah. crazy, clever, a little unhinged at times, but just so perfect. It was more of a guessing game with the ones in Season 2, trying to like figure out what they meant by these messages. A lot of references in there, too, to 90s television and music. And I think they're just so smart over there at Showtime and Paramount. 
So yeah, I can't wait to see what they have up their sleeves for season three. Oh my god, <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> okay, how does this episode open up? Okay, this episode opens up with the girls building a funeral pyre for Van after the wolf attack. They light the pyre and they quickly realize she is in fact still alive. And when Van is coming to, at least to me, it appears as if there are some shadow figures standing over her with Misty, Mari, Ty, and Akila. And I don't think I included a picture of it now that I think about it, uh, which sucks because I've seen a picture of it. It's... When she's coming to, she has this, like, flash of green. Did you notice that in the episode? I did notice a different colorization, although I did not pause to look for the shadowy figures. So They're inserted in between the girls' heads. So oh. it looks like silhouettes, like, in between their heads, if that makes sense. Huh. I'm actually going to have to go back and press pause. I wish yeah. I had read the notes ahead of time like a responsible person. <laughs> Oops. That's okay. <laughs> we'll find the picture and we'll talk about it. Uh, she also says in the finale to Van that she was in between and that she saw something like that they weren't alone out there. So to me, when I heard that, it made me think of that moment because somebody on Reddit actually brought it to my attention. And when I really looked at the pictures, it was very obvious to me. It's not as obvious in the episode because it's such a quick flash. You do have to pause it at the right moment to really catch it. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to do that, like, literally right when we get off of this. Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't see any visual representations of anything supernatural except for the man with no yeah. eyes. But we also see him outside of the wilderness. So it's not exclusive to yep. the teen timeline. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. After Van regains consciousness, Thaisa tells the other girls to run ahead back to the cabin while, for help while she stayed with Van. Then we see a flashback of Laura Lee at summer camp, which that scene was always really hard for me to stomach. It was oh just my God. Really cool to watch her dive headfirst into that shallow end, knowing that like you're not supposed to dive headfirst into a shallow end. When, when you're blood... swim, that's one of the first oh. things you're told. Yeah. The the noise of the head cracking. Why did she do it? She was sitting there so introspectively yeah. and it's as if she was conjuring up the idea to do this. But why? Was but, it Yeah, why? Exactly. The only thing I can think is as a test of her faith. You know, it came to her, God wants me to do this to be saved or I I don't know, but what else could it be besides a test of her faith? Why Why yeah. else would she do that? I just can't think of any logical explanation for it unless she had a death wish and wanted yeah. to die. But yeah. it seems like a weird place to do it at the Mary Magdalene summer camp. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Lottie seeks out Laura Lee to ask if she thinks the girls on the expedition are okay. And Laura Lee simply says that they are in God's hands now. And I think Lottie really put a lot of her um belief system into what Laura Lee was telling her because she wanted to make sense of what was happening to her. So losing Laura Lee in this episode was very hard for her because she was finally trying to make sense of what was happening to her. And it was the most even though it's not logical, it is logical at the same time, if that makes sense. She was trying to make sense of it, and that was the only thing that she had that made any sense. 
Yeah, I mean, she went through all the trouble of getting baptized. And of course, the irony behind all of that is when she was getting baptized, she saw that explosion of bright light behind Laura Lee's head, which Mm -hmm. is another instance of foreshadowing, just like the Red River of Blood. So for me, it leans so supernatural with these things because premonitions Mm -hmm. and mental illness are two separate things. And I do consider it more of a premonition than anything else. So I... Yeah, poor Lottie. Yeah. Mm. Natalie asks Travis if he wants to join her on a hunt, and he declines. And this is when we notice that his behavior towards Nat has kind of been really weird ever since they tried having sex and it didn't work out in his favor. Um, Mm -hmm. He very actively pushes her away, and she notices. Um, So then we see Natalie talking to Ben, who offers her relationship advice. and. And tells her that he's gay. And she also asks him if he thinks that Travis is gay. Which I thought was really funny. Because I never would have thought that Travis was gay. <laughs> Literally never. Not even a thought. <laughs> that thought would have never crossed my mind if that happened to me. <laughs> no, no. Never. I loved Coach coming out to Nat too. It really sets the table for how strong their relationship is. Yeah. Which is very interesting moving into season three. When... We don't know how Natalie's going to treat that. She knows Ben is hiding in the caves. Is she going to give him up? Or is she going to protect their relationship and, you know, let him live? I'm so nervous for Coach. I think we all are. But at the same time, we all kind of want him to survive so we can see adult survivor angry, mean Coach Ben. Yeah, that would be something. Uh, Travis heads to the lake to check the fish traps and runs into Jackie, who spills the beans about Natalie and Bobby Farley. Uh, this Ah. is when Travis realizes that Natalie lied about who she had been intimate with before she met him. And I always wondered, do you think Jackie was purposely trying to stir the pot when she revealed this information? Because she reveals it so nonchalantly, like she didn't even remember his name. And he was very insistent on knowing the guy's full name. He needed that last name. And she acted like she didn't remember. She was like, I don't know. I think his name was Farley or something like that. And... She knows about the Flex nickname. They all knew about the Flex nickname. So what do you think? I think that given her and Travis eventually had sex, I think she was stirring the pot. I think in the early scene when they get to the lake and the other girls are checking out Travis and she's like, oh, hey, guys, it's only three days in. I think in her mind she was thinking, you know what? They're right. Travis is hot and I'm going to think about this and keep it in mind for the future. So... It could have all been part of her ploy, especially now that she knew Shauna slept with Jeff to try to infiltrate and maybe eventually, you know, get her virginity taken by Travis. Now that Shauna lost hers to Jeff, I just can't see Jackie doing that just uh, out of nowhere, just eh, floating along. Just going to mention Bobby Farley for no reason. Everything has a reason. And I think that she definitely was stirring the pot. I'm curious to know if others think the same thing. He goes back to the house and or to the cabin, and he they have a conversation about it. And Natalie admits that she lied, and he is very upset that she lied, and he won't let it go. And he pretty much like in the moment, I feel felt like broke up with her. Um, 
he was saying what do you think it means when when he said I can't remember their exact words but they said a lot of he said a lot of hurtful things and she said wow well I'm glad we didn't actually fuck because if we did this would have been a lot harder and Mm -hmm. and I think he realized that too um and I think that his embarrassment pushed him to a place of anger and he took it out on Natalie in a way that he didn't necessarily need to take it out on. Like she didn't lie to him because she wanted to hurt his feelings. She lied to him to protect his feelings. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that she was really wrong to no one else knew it was Bobby Farley. No, they knew it was Bobby Farley because they knew it was the flex nickname thing, but did, was Nat the only one uh, that knew that Bobby Farley called him Flex? Like that he originated the nickname? I don't know. I'm. I, I don't know. Or is it that Jackie wouldn't have known that Nat hooked up with Bobby Farley? Like, how would she know that? Like, did Nat not share well, that, or did Bobby Farley tell everybody? But Jackie says that she was busy screwing him in the back of his van while they were at soccer practice. So. Yeah. They obviously knew something. Right. Hmm. Okay. Now I'm curious. Yeah, same. I that's why I love doing the live streams. I love the interactions and questions. Cause let's face it, even though we've watched this show about a million times, there's still things that come up that we either don't have answers to or didn't notice. It's the best part about this whole show. Speculation. I say it all the time. So the group arrives back at the cabin and fills in the rest of the girls on what happened with Van. They all head out to find Van and Ty together. They find them. They bring them back. And Akila stitches Van's face up with, to me, it looks like straight up like a fishing hook and fishing net. Like, or fishing wire, I mean. It did look like that. Stitches, what they use for actual stitches, that's for sure. And with no sedation or topical situations, I just, this all goes back to when we did that article on the 10 TV shows the Yellow Jackets would be watching, Akila, ER, and she would now today, if she survived, be a plastic surgeon. What a phenomenal job she did using rudimentary tools. Literally down to her bone. Like, you could see her bone. You could see her teeth coming through her cheeks. I mean, in a way, we're suspending disbelief because in reality, there's no way Van would have survived. But that also plays into the fact that Van has nine lives and has survived Mm -hmm. the most insane situations. And of course, now in the adult timeline has terminal cancer and may end up beating that, too, after their hunt and sacrifice. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, after this, we see Taisa confide in Shauna that night and tells her that she's been sleepwalking and it's essentially her fault that Van was attacked in the first place because she let the fire die down and she fell asleep. And that I always wondered how she got so high in the tree when she wakes up when, when she comes to and she jumps down that looks like a really far jump to me a really far jump how did she climb there in her sleep seriously (laughs) even the tree that she was in outside sammy's bedroom window is high enough i mean don't they live on a second story or maybe it's a multi-level condo or townhouse okay that makes sense but yeah ooh, i that is a really good question emily she might be spider-man yeah she is (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, the next morning, Laura Lee announces that she will be flying the aircraft out of the wilderness, which um, Coach Yeesh. did not like. He attempted to speak up and because he saw himself as the only adult in the situation and he pretty much told Laura Lee you can't do that and she simply asked him what are you going to do to stop me coach and that moment for me was I love that moment because the meekest one of the bunch is standing up to the authority figure if you will and is saying I want to do my part to help and this is what I think I can do to help it's crazy that she flew a plane. I mean, she's a high schooler. It was crazy. But there's no way that plane would have even started. Yeah. No way. But she thought that that was her calling. She thought that it was what she was meant to do, what God had sent her to do. So there was no convincing her otherwise at that point. None. Yeah. Mm. Um. And so then the group clears a runway for Laura Lee's flight and watches her take off. Not long after takeoff, the plane starts smoking and obviously eventually explodes, killing Laura Lee and completely dashing their chance of rescue and all hope that they had left, pretty much. Devastating. We had that as one of our seven hardest to watch moments in the article and the YouTube short we just did for cord cutting. Check that out if you haven't already. But yeah, that was really hard. And maybe it's synonymous with her test of faith at the beginning of her diving in the pool with her test of faith, trying to fly the plane. And she's 50-50 yeah. now and now living in I the underground. I still remember wall. watching that for the first time. And when the plane took off, I'm like, there's no way that this is going to end because and well because there's still so much time left in the show. She's not going to make it. It's very apparent. No. So I expected something bad to happen, but I didn't expect the plane to just like blow up like that. I was shocked. I was really shocked. It was really sad the first time yeah. watching it. And like you, I assumed something would happen, just didn't know what. And I thought maybe she would crash. Yeah. Yeah. Midair explosion was not on my bingo card. So. No. And it's been heavily speculated about how the plane catches on fire too, where it catches on fire. People have debated where the fire came from. Did Leonard spontaneously combust and catch on fire? People (laughs) have thrown that around. Wow. Um, But the logical explanation would be that it was the fuel tank, which would be located under the passenger seat of the airplane. So that's gotta be it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Gotta be it. Yeah. Yeah. RIP Laura Lee. Mm -hmm. And Leonard. And Leonard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In 2021, uh, Callie finds Adam's ID in Shauna's house and calls her out on allowing him in their house. And they get into a discussion about it. Um, Shauna says to Callie, like, you were giving me crap for not doing something about my husband cheating on me, and now I am doing something about it, and you're still giving me crap for it, so what do you want me to do here? And I think Callie just wanted her mom to do the right thing, which was not to go do what you suspect your husband of doing at the same time. That two wrongs don't make a right here. Like We all know that. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us know that. 
<laughs> Afterwards, uh, Shauna does some digging and looks into Adam attending Pratt, and she quickly realizes that he had been lying about something as there was no record of him ever attending the school. Uh, I suspected that. I suspected that he never went to Pratt, and I didn't think he was an artist, but season two made me think he was an artist with all of the pictures that they, the paintings that they found in his studio that Shauna and Jeff end up going to. So I do think he dabbled in art. He did more than fucking dabble. I mean, look at that damn studio and I, it must have taken him so long to paint all those things. And in the scheme of things, he hasn't known Shauna that long. So how far back did this stocking go? And I just wonder if it all goes back to them at one point thinking that he would be Javi. And they yeah. did all of this work for that to pay off eventually. And the payoff never came because they went a different yep. direction. Yeah. But if he didn't, like, why lie about that? And why yeah like why it's a weird thing to lie about the whole thing is weird if he's an actual artist say you're an artist who cares if you went to art school or not that's an easy way for someone to look you up and find out that you're fucking lying so yeah and you can still be an artist without going to art school you don't have to go to art school to be an artist yeah no you you know um misty then stops natalie from relapsing (laughs) she (laughs) And reveals the hidden camera in the process. That was probably my favorite moment of the whole episode. I mean, this is one of my favorite season one moments as a whole. I love the cocaine snorting scene and the don't breathe, don't breathe. Everything about it. Everything about it. I love when after she snorts it, when she's like, if that was if that was bath salts or PCP or fentanyl, I could be dead in in a couple minutes. She's oh just God. thinking of all of the horrible things that could go wrong, which would be me too. Yeah, that would be same. Me. Worst case scenario <laughs> always plays first in my mind. Um, Misty tells Natalie after this happens when Natalie says that she's insane for wasting three hundred dollars worth of blow, which Misty then says, "A, I'll then mow you," which I love that line too. <laughs> Um, Misty tells Natalie that someone withdrew all the money from Travis's bank account after he died. And she tells her that she's been working tirelessly on Travis's case night and day since the, their little shenanigans together. And Natalie's like, how do I know if you're telling me the truth? You're so full of shit. You hid a camera in my room and spied on me and watched me have sex. That's creepy. (laughs) that's so creepy and she really was watching her she was watching her have sex she was like hello kevin tan was that when she was eating popcorn too one of the times she was eating popcorn i I just like the ultimate reality show misty you are just a little devil wow yeah yeah (laughs) she would be an interesting person to watch on big brother too i think Really on any reality show. I mean, we will be talking about Survivor, and I'm sure Misty will be a prevalent part of that conversation, too. But, yeah. Yeah. So Shauna and family are having dinner when Taisa drops by unexpectedly. And this was another weird moment that I couldn't really figure out. Um, Shauna says to Ty when she realizes that it's Ty that's there, it's a nice surprise after 20 years. So... Why are they why are they lying to Jeff about the fact that they've been in contact with each other? Why does that matter if he knows that they've been talking to one another? Jeff is her husband. Who cares? It's a really good question. I have no answer for that because there's no explanation as to why they do that 
guilty conscience for the blackmail, but they don't know he's the blackmailer, so. No, they don't. And he had a great poker face considering he, like, <laughs> almost broke Thais's nose the night before and then opens the door and he's face-to-face with her and he's cool as a cucumber, which really shocked me when Surprising. I found out he was the blackmailer. Because <laughs> yeah. Jeff's not traditionally the best liar or no. having the best poker face, so yeah. No. No, so that was that was a bit of a shock. Yeah. Um and saying that they've last seen each other uh 20 years ago made me wonder where they're saying that they last saw each other. We have kind of speculated that maybe it was supposed to be at Shauna and Jeff's wedding because yes. Shauna and Jeff's wedding anniversary is coming up soon and they've been married for going on 20 years. So that seems kind of like a logical a logical answer to me in that sense. Yeah. You know, Dustin pointed out Shauna has a lot of shame. I don't think she wants Jeff to know she's still having relationships with those ladies. That's interesting. I mean, that would come from the guilty conscience of everything that happened. But we also know that Jeff has read the journals and knew about wilderness baby. So Shauna knows Jeff knows about that. So, but she didn't know that he knew yet at this point in the show. She, right. she finds out that he read the diaries in Doom, or the journals in Doom Coming, which is the next episode. Okay, okay. Good point. Thank you. Yeah. You're so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shauna and Ty go on a walk where Ty spills the beans about her recent sleepwalking and marital problems. And she says to Shauna at one point, you know how bad it can get about her sleepwalking. So... Is this in reference to what happened to Van? Or I think it's possible that Ty could end up hurting somebody else in one of her fugue states, too. That I could be. I think there's a chance of that happening. Yeah, especially once they split into these warring clans, perhaps. I, I don't know. but And they have no shelter anymore. So she has no filter from between her and the outside elements anymore she could wander off at any point in time if there really are just going to be living outside which i can't imagine them just living outside but what other options do they really have besides the plane and these tree caves speaking of no shelter that would be a really good song to include for the opener of season three there the rage against the machine who sings no shelter there'll be no shelter here i'm not going to sing it because <laughs> embarrassing I but don't know if i know that one yeah, I, I feel I like, like it's a Rage Against the Machine song. I feel like it's called No Shelter. I could be wrong, but I, it could potentially be a good soundtrack track pick for season three for yeah, anybody listening out there. Sure. And, you know, I want to mention Keith's comment here, too, while we're talking about Shauna and Ty. Their bonds between Shauna and Ty in both timelines. I mean, it's established with the abortion scene, which we've discussed, and then their heart-to-hearts, right? Their Mm -hmm. walk, and then sitting in the bedroom at Shauna's house and Ty laughing. It's like they're teenagers again. And it just goes to show how strong their bond really is. And I think, like we've talked about, they have the strongest bond of any of them at this point. I also really love that scene of them in the bedroom when Shauna confesses that she's having an affair because... From one point on, Melanie Linsky ad-libs the entire scene, which is absolutely amazing. All of the stuff that she says about 
meeting the mime in France. She made all that up on the spot. Francois, yes, yes. I didn't know she made that up. Maybe actually we've talked about that, but that's just speaks to how freaking amazing she is. God. And and Tawny Cypress's reactions were genuine because she had never heard her say that before. So uh, that's what makes me love the scene more. Uh, Knowing that she was genuinely reacting for the first time to what she was hearing. Yeah. That's cool. It's very smart. Yeah. Um, Misty arrives back home to find that Jessica Roberts has held Caligula hostage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she very quickly, I think she pick, she picks up some kind of a ball and she chucks it at Jessica Roberts and Jessica <laughs> Roberts lets go of Caligula. And she comes over to like tighten Jessica Roberts' chains and Jessica Roberts is like, Jesus, you look like shit. What happened to you? <laughs> and Misty had been crying and she says something along the lines of, it's just been one of those days. And then she's like, I'm going to make us something to eat. Are you hungry? I'm hungry. <laughs> Who's hungry well, in a moment like that? I mean, only Not Misty. mentioned she had just snorted a bunch of cocaine. So she probably wasn't really actually even hungry. No, I mean, isn't that a thing? Like, you're not hungry if you have no. cocaine. Like, people don't eat. Like, yeah. That's a thing. That's a thing. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shauna heads to Adam's apartment to confront him about his lie. He is honest with her and says that he only lied to impress her. And then asks her to go away with him to a cabin in the woods in the Poconos for the weekend. And cabin that's in the fucking thing. Poconos, Emily. Like, what? Yeah. What? Oh, every we time. have discussed this at length at multiple length. times Many because times. why in the hell would you invite her to go to a cabin in the woods knowing what you know about her he had that book in his house he knows what she went through he very much knows so yeah. why would you think that's a good idea i just don't get it he can't be that dumb no. I've I thought at one point maybe he was a part of Lottie's cult and he That's was trying thought, yeah. to get Shauna there, you know, with the other women, but we don't see any purple in his house. Not that no. that's like the be all end all. I don't think he's a part of Lottie's cult, but with the postcards, it's just always, you know, the and the back tattoo. The back fucking <laughs> tattoo. God. Yes. That's another thing. And them looking like Javi's drawings. I mean, and the Javi drawing thing came in season two after they abandoned the idea of Adam mm -hmm. being Javi. So to keep perpetuating this whole situation, are they just messing with us? What are they doing? I don't know. I wish they'd tell us, but I have a feeling they won't tell us for a while. Like Keith said, if she's seen enough horror movies, she would know to stay away <laughs> from A Cabin in the Woods. I like that movie. That's I mean, one. right? Yeah. <laughs> Oof. So. Or, oh, hold on. One more. Dustin, they should have had the Adam storyline about him being a part of Jessica Roberts' team. Never occurred to me. He was trying to seduce Shauna to get information about the wilderness. That's clever. I have heard that. That's yeah. clever. Yeah. Wow. Because, and doesn't, uh, when... Does Walter tie Jessica Roberts and Adam together, or does he just say that Kevin Tan killed both of them? Is that how they're tied together? I can't remember. Mm, 
Walter knew Misty killed Jessica Roberts, or was it Misty admitting to the girls that she killed Jessica Roberts? I think Walter just figured it out. Walter just figured it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The whole Jessica Roberts thing. And it's funny because people are still saying like, maybe she's not dead, but they've actually confirmed that she's dead. 100% dead. So, although nobody's been to her house. Immediately. Yeah. I mean, there's no way that she would have survived that. Uh, It was interesting, though, to see Ty go to her house in season two. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just still there. Like, no boxes packed up. No family has been there. I mean, it's been a shorter passage of time, of course. But yes, yes, that's true. Interesting. Then we see Natalie try to get information out of Susie at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, an acquaintance who... I think Natalie used to work with at a bank because we know Susie currently works at a bank. And after Susie refuses to cooperate, Natalie resorts to blackmail. And I love that scene. I love that scene so much when she's like, I think they would be really interested to know that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I love how Susie's like, I wish I never fucking met you. (laughs) Nat knows who to go to if she's good at using people, which is a shitty thing to say. But, I mean, she's effectively used Kevin Tan and now Susie to get the information she needs. So it's a good social game. Nat might do good at Survivor. Like, she even dressed the part when she went to Susie. She wore – she dressed in a way that she doesn't dress every day. It was very deliberately chosen. She wanted to look a certain way, give off a certain vibe, make it seem like she really is in recovery. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thaisa tells Simone about her condition in which she becomes an entirely different person at night. Fearing she will hurt Sammy, she begs Simone to leave her alone in the house for a while. And Simone doesn't want to, but Ty is very insistent and says, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt you. You need to leave. And I think that really scared Simone when she said that. As it should. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. But Simone wanted to help. Her reaction was like, we'll take you to a sleep doctor or something like that. Like, we'll do a sleep study. And I don't know what a sleep study is going to do. It's beyond a sleep study. (laughs) Way beyond a sleep study. Yeah. It's definitely beyond a sleep study at this point. Um, Shauna discovers that someone took all of her journals and she finds glitter in her closet. After learning that Adam is not who he says he is, Shauna goes to his apartment to question him. And the very last scene in the adult timeline is him opening his door and her saying, who the fuck are you? And he just looks at her. And that's, I'm pretty sure, the last that we see of the adults in that episode. Because as we all know, in the beginning of the next episode, Adam dies. So... (laughs) He sure does. And one little Adam nugget that I thought was funny in this one was when he was saying to Shauna who he really was, the his brother's book, Anus. Why such a weird specific <laughs> detail? Why? Why? Such, I mean, he's a proctologist. Yeah. I get it. But such an odd detail to throw in. I just still don't quite Maybe know. Maybe he just thought that because it was so random that it like had to be true or something. I don't know. That's a really Uh, random thing to tell someone. It is really random. And, you know, something you had also put in the notes was, were were Shauna's journals ever actually missing or was she imagining it being an unreliable narrator, which is a thread that we keep weaving through all of these episodes is the unreliable narrators. And can we trust them? Yes, because 
after she kills Adam, she takes the knife that she used to kill Adam and puts it in her safe and the journals are all there. She hasn't been gone for that long. So, I mean, I think Jeff took them. I That's what I It makes think sense happened. that Jeff yeah. took them, yes. But, but the timing, obviously, was to make us wonder. Little sus. Little yeah. sus. Just a little bit. Oof. Yeah. What was your favorite scene in this episode, Emily? My favorite scene was when Laura Lee announced that she wants to fly the plane and she stands up to coach. I loved that moment. I loved the look on everybody's face in the room. Uh, I like the look on Jackie's face specifically because <laughs> she just had a very like smug look on her face. And she was thinking in her head, what are you going to do? Because really, what are you going to do? You have one leg, man. You're going to stand in the middle of the runway? <laughs> right? Oh, boy. Dustin coming at us hard with the questions. Could all these episodes be seen from different points of view? I think it's all a dream at the end of the day. It better not be a fucking dream. That will not be okay. The points of view yeah. are interesting, though, as it comes into play with the unreliable narrators. Because we've yeah. said Shauna being the main character, it makes sense that most of it's from her point of view. But yes. I mean, perspective's important, and some of the stuff just doesn't quite add up, so. Yep. For sure. My favorite scene, 100%, the cocaine snorting incident in the hotel room with Misty and Nat. Hilarious. That's, that's, that's definitely that. my Misty moment, for sure. Yes. Yes. 100. 100. Um, yeah. So, music from this episode. We only had one song in episode eight. What? Fade Into yeah. You by Mazzy Star. I remember hearing this song in the episode, but I also don't remember not hearing any other music. <laughs> Same. Same. Nothing stands out like Firestarter did, for instance, for me in No Compass immediately when it started playing. Yeah. But, yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. This no shelter like thing, though, by Rage. This could be, I could be on to something for a season three opening song. <laughs> you, should, you should tweet the, the composers for the show. I will definitely let them know once the strike is <laughs> over, of course. Yes, yes, for sure. Well, this was fun, episode seven and eight. And of course, that means we will be covering nine and 10 in our next live stream, not next week but the week after. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I could not be more excited for Doom coming. My 100% favorite episode from season one, if not the yeah. entire series. Love yeah. Doom coming. Love Doom coming. And it could not come at a better time. It's spooky month and I feel it just fits yes. the theme of the time of year that we're covering it. So for sure. Yeah, it really does work out nicely. I love Doom Coming, Emily. I just, I love it. Everything about it. I think it. it's my favorite, too, of the whole series. I really do. Yep. I could not like that episode more. And I just, like everybody else, am eagerly anticipating more good stuff coming season three. And we have some hope now that the writer's room is back open again. So Yes. Yay, I'm so let's happy. hope for 2024. Let's just hope for 2024. Let's say SAG after I, I resolves hope. this month sometime. I think it could happen. I have high hopes. I'm trying to be optimistic. High, high hopes. 
it's a uh, <laughs> Panic at the Disco song. Gosh, Panic at the Disco is no longer a band anymore. Hmm. What? I know. He, like, he stopped. He had kids. Brandon Urie, he made an announcement. I, I'm pretty sure it was due to family or kids, but he just stopped like being Panic at the Disco. And I love Panic what? at the Disco. Their so. first album was literally the most listened to CD I had in 11th grade. <laughs> I mean, I love Panic at the Disco, so that was um, that was pretty. That's so oh, I know that makes me sad. They were such an important part of my teenage years. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, not a band anymore, but High High Hopes reminded me of Panic at the Disco. <laughs> Probably time to wrap it up. Thank you guys <laughs> for joining us. We will be back again in two weeks on Thursday for episodes nine and ten. We've got some more cord cutting stuff coming up. If you're listening and you happen to know any Survivor contestants, please let us know. We are messaging (laughs) them fiercely. We really want to make this episode happen. So if you know any, let us know. Yes. And uh, one more thing before we go. Be sure you bookmark our Hive Hub page at cordcutting.com slash yellowjackets-hive. You can also visit yellowjacketshive.com. Gets you to the same place. All of our exclusive Mm -hmm. content. Don't miss it. Subscribe on YouTube. And you can find our Hive socials in all the normal places. So... Yes. We'll see you there. All right. So until we spill again.